Good morning, Davenport, Iowa. How you guys doing today? My name is Leonard Jones, and let me welcome you to the sixth episode of the Black Conscience Podcast. I hope you guys are staying safe and healthy during the quarantine times. To give you a little synopsis, the Black Conscience is a 30-minute podcast that features a discussion between me and an expert on certain topics in black history or culture. This week, we'll be discussing an incident that took place in our very own backyard. And today, I have with me Donnie Ingram, who is the director of online learning here at St. Ambrose and is also the senior instructional designer here in our IT department. During these talks, I'll be asking Donnie boundary-pushing questions in order to reach a new level of conversation, new level of understanding through conversation. The purpose of this podcast is to educate the St. Ambrose community on African-American history and bring light to the many tragedies African-Americans still deal with every day due to the oppression system set up against us. This is in hopes of developing a conscious way of thinking while also informing the community on the tremendous amount of untold history. This is the opportunity for us to move forward through education, conversation, and communication. But enough of me talking. I'll have our guests introduce themselves. My name is Donnie Ingram. I am, as uh, Leonard stated, I am the senior instructional designer. I am also the director of online learning for St. Ambrose University, in addition to being the director of the Center for Instructional Design and Technology. And to top things off, I am a marketing instructor here as well. So I wear many hats here at the university. Well, thank you for coming. I really appreciate it. Um, To get right into it, I'll ask you the first question. For those who don't know, could you share the experience you and your family had with the local police? Yes. Um, so in early February of this year, right before things got flipped upside down with the mm-hmm. um, inception of COVID, uh, my son was dropped off by his mother at Sudlow High School, right up the street here from St. Ambrose. Um, he got dropped off for choir practice. Um, and this is kind of our regular routine. Mm-hmm. Um, so as he was dropped off, it turned out his mom left because, you know, we, she dropped him off at choir practice. She then left. It turns out choir practice was canceled for that morning. So mom had already left the scene. And so there's a gas station right up the street from Sudlow that my son will typically go to to get like a fruit drink or what have you or Mm -hmm. candy um, because we give him money for that. Um, So he did walk up and approach that gas station. I believe it's a BP. It's like two minutes away, a minute and a half walking. Um, And as he approached the gas station, uh, the police pulled up on him. Um, He was he was not walking. He was walking toward the police. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like if he was a criminal or if he was, you know, uh, guilty of some kind of crime, I would have thought, you know, if I'm a criminal and I did something wrong, I would have walked away from the police, Mm -hmm. you know, or maybe started running. My son walked toward the police Mm -hmm. um, in that direction. They didn't pulled up on him. Um, They immediately started to question him. Um, He was caught off guard because he had done nothing wrong. Um, He was totally oblivious and, again, kind of blindsided by everything, all of the uh, events that were taking place. So they asked him questions. Um, Apparently, there was a car theft Mm -hmm. involving a couple of juveniles in the area. I believe it was four juveniles, if I'm I'm not mistaken. Um, And I'm trying to remember Mm -hmm. this because, again, every COVID happened and then like the world changed (laughs) since this incident. Um, So so they questioned him and. my son just didn't really know how to respond. He just said, hey, I don't know what's going on. He kind of put his hands up kind of like I'm doing right now. And mm-hmm. I know you can see on camera, he's kind of doing a lot of this. As he was doing that, because, again, he's confused at that in that moment. Um, they, the, the officer um, in question that was doing the, question, the questioning, the investigation, uh, it was a female officer. I will not say her name um, just because I don't want any yes. accusations of slander or what have you. <laughs> totally um, so I'll just leave it. I'll leave it at that. It's out there on the on the web if you really want to know. 
Um, but the officer in question continued to question my son. Um, I'm not going to say it was inappropriate questioning, but given that my son is 13 years old at the time, oh, and he actually just turned 13, I think what a lot of people don't realize is his birthday is December 24th. So this incident occurred the very beginning of February. So he literally just turned 13 years old at yeah. the time. So my son is just very confused and scared and rattled by all of this. And um, she continued to question him. As he put his hands up instinctively, she kind of slapped his hands down, you know, like he was doing something wrong. He couldn't help it because he's confused. Like, hey, what's going on here? So they made him sit in the back of the police car and they continued to question him. And they, they asked him, you know, where he went to school and what he was doing, where he was going. Just kind of your typical baseline questions. Mm -hmm. um, and my son then said, you know, choir practice was canceled. And, you know, then the officer kind of the, the way she responded to him was like she didn't believe him, mm -hmm. what he was telling her. Um, so he said, you can call my mom. Um, and I guess she did call uh, my son's mom. And she then picked up the phone. Luckily, she was at work. She still picked up the phone. Typically, that won't happen. Mm -hmm. um, so luckily, she did pick up the phone. Then um, the officer in question continued to ask uh, uh, Jonathan's mom mm -hmm. questions about the incident. And she confirmed, um, corroborated everything my son explained to the officer. And so that was the end of that. And then um, after that, again, they offered to drive my son back to school. Mm -hmm. um, the, the interesting thing about that all is... A lot of kids, and myself included, not not just kids, adults. I don't know phone numbers. Um, I have a, you know, I have my phone numbers listed and by name um, in my phone, and a lot of those numbers, I would say like ninety five percent, I do not know the phone number. So if my son did not know his mom's phone number, and a lot of kids don't, I mean, they just there's it, their mom in the phone and dad and and whatever relative is in there or, or associate or friend. Mm -hmm. um, he knew his mom's phone number because, um, you know, officer requested to talk to mom. Um, and so I was really impressed by that because had he not known, they would have took my son down to the station because they mm -hmm. basically assumed that he may have been one of these juveniles that committed grand theft auto. Yes. Um, so, again, mom corroborated everything. They didn't then offered to drive my son back to school, which they did. They dropped him off. Um, the officer that was with the, the questioning officer, I guess he apologized or said, hey, sorry about that kid. But he wasn't the one asking the questions. Mm -hmm. It was the female officer asking the questions that did not apologize. Um, so mom and dad, uh, you know, we, we, we showed up on the scene. You know, we were called by the school and um, we asked our son what happened. Hey, what's going on here? They explained it to us. Immediately, I felt they owed us an apology and mm -hmm. they, they at the very least owed my son an apology. Um, and I wanted the apology to come from the female officer in question. So we drove down to the police station shortly after the incident um, looking for the female officer. We were kind of at the front um, mm -hmm. where they kind of they handle, I guess, folks that have questions. I don't know what yeah, that's yeah. called at the at the time. Dispatch. I don't, <laughs> I'm not exactly sure. But anyways, um. So basically, we asked, you know, we told them what happened. They went to the back. They would not produce the officer in question, but they did produce her superior. We then explained to her superior what happened, and they said they would investigate. And then they would get back to us with an answer as to whether or not we are owed an apology. Mm -hmm. um, so I went back to work. Mom went back to work. My son, surprisingly, went back to school. And so a couple of hours later, uh, my phone rang, and it was that officer, her superior, that basically told me they viewed the webcam footage and they found no wrongdoing. Um, it was protocol. Everything was done by the book and they didn't, we were not owed an apology. 
uh, right prior to calling me, they called mom and told her the exact same thing. Um, so, of course, immediately I was angry. I was very angry because I said, at the very least, this lady, you scared a young child. You scared the crap out of them. Because I saw the body cam footage that was unedited that a lot of people, nobody has seen but myself, mm-hmm. Chief Sikorsky, and of course, you know, the officers and the, at the police station. Mm-hmm. But nobody outside in the public but myself has seen that unedited footage that saw my son's he was terrified. Mm-hmm. He he kind of like had a series of emotions where he, like, he was about to cry and then he stopped and he was just like, it was, I saw that in his eyes. This is my boy, mm-hmm. my second born. Um, so I, Officer Sikorsky, when I went down to police station, he let me view that footage. I told him to turn it off right after I saw my son's face. I can't, I was about to break down because I saw how afraid my son was. Um, a lot, again, I think the pu- some of the public, the, I say like 90% of the public was on our side. And then there was, of course, there was a minority, a mm-hmm. small percentage that was, a, they said officers did nothing wrong. This is nothing. You know, they just, they were very dismissive about mm-hmm. the incident. Um, but you did not see my son's face. And if it was your son and that happened to him, at the very least, all we asked for was an, an apology. Hey, yeah. you scared this kid. Sorry, man. I really, you know, maybe you can come toward the police station sometime. Or, you know, we, we apologize about that. Mistaken identity, you know. Yes. And it, sorry to cut you off. I believe yeah. that's, a, that's why it's a huge disconnect in the community because it's not that relationship there. They don't even have enough respect for you to apologize and they're in the wrong for something. That is something that clearly... Even if it is protocol and things like that, you can put protocol to a side and look at the ethics and at least apologize for a situation that you may have caused. Because if you put it in another situation, if it was their own child, they would want the same exact thing. I would think so. Um, And I'm skipping around here Mm -hmm. because, again, I'm trying to recall everything as it happened. Um, But I do want to say immediately following that, again, when we received the news about we were not owed an apology, Mom was very upset as well, and so she began to record Jonathan and ask Jonathan. She did not coach Jonathan. This was all off the cuff. Mm -hmm. Just press record. Tell me how you're feeling at this moment, son. My son then began to describe the incident. He was very composed, um, surprisingly, but he did describe the incident. And uh, she sent me that video. At the same time she sent me that video, again, this was not... This was not anything that was um, we didn't plan this. Mm-hmm. This all happened organically. As she sent me the video, I was typing something on Facebook because I needed an outlet. I needed a platform. And um, as I stated, I teach marketing here, um, social media, uh, which is, again, another reason why the police, they kind of they kind of barked up the wrong tree uh, <laughs> because you're messing with somebody that I know how to get viral. I have over eight million views on YouTube. A lot of people don't know that I have a, over eight million views. Uh, true story. Um, so I began to write a narrative about what happened to my son. Um, then his, his mom sent me the video. I married the two together and I posted it on Facebook. Not really expecting. I expected feedback. I expected it to garner some um, some attention. Mm-hmm. Um, this thing absolutely exploded and took off and went viral within a couple of hours. Oh. It was at hundreds of views and suddenly thousands of views within the day. And as the day has passed, I believe in that very same week, a couple of days later, I believe we were up to about 45,000 views. We were contacted by Good Morning America. We were contacted by the local news. We were contacted by many um, news outlets that wanted to hear our story. We did do an interview with, um, I believe it's KWQC, if I'm not mistaken, Mm -hmm. out of Moline. Hopefully, uh, I know there's a couple of news stations, but um, yeah, I don't want to babble (laughs) on. Uh, I know you got other questions to get to. 
I'll ask you this. As yes. a parent, and you kind of touched on a little bit, um, could you go deeper? What did it feel like going through the experience? So what did it feel like going through, well, getting, well, and you may not, but getting your wife receiving that call, and like you said, luckily enough for him to know her, his mom's number. Because mm-hmm. I know a lot of people who don't know their mom who just yeah. click the mom. So, yeah, exactly. So I'll ask you, and um, so what did it feel like as a parent going through that whole experience? It was very emotional. Um, mm-hmm. I remember when I when we were interviewed by the news station um, on camera, the, some footage that did not air. I broke down a little bit mm-hmm. because I had a nightmare that very same night um, that that incident occurred. And I had a nightmare about my youngest or not my second youngest boy, Alexander, being shot mm-hmm. by the police officers. And I woke up in the middle of the night almost in tears. And this again, um, this isn't anything that actually happened, um, but it's just due to the, yes. you know, it's just the impact of the incident. So it, it really hurt us. Um, and again, we're not we're not opponents of the police. Mm-hmm. We support the police. We do. It's not about that. It was all about the principle. And as an adult, I was always taught growing up, if you make a mistake, you apologize for said mistake. Yes. That's kind of, it's just an adult thing to do. You made a mistake. It was mistaken identity. And you're the police. So my son is supposed to look up to you as an authoritative figure in the community to protect him. You mm-hmm. hurt him. Um, and so all we wanted was an apology and we wouldn't have, I would have never gone to social media. That was not planned. We waited patiently for the call and had they apologized, we would have moved on with our lives and we would have told our son, the police are sorry, you know, we're moving on with this, but they did not. I reacted, um, uh, you know, to be honest, I was emotional. It was yep. an emotional reaction. You deserve to be emotional. M- mom reacted emotionally. We both reacted and then that's kind of how this all came to fruition. My thing is, they um, it's always presumed that we're not supposed to show emotions, mm-hmm. but this is a very emotional thing. This is emotional, physically, mentally, different things like that. So I'll ask you, how have you and your family been able to cope with this situation since the incident occurred? You know, I'll be honest, man, surprisingly, my son is a very strong spirit. This is, we have not seen this impact him at all. Um, we've we've kept a close eye on him. We even he was even asked by the by the um, the news station when the interview was conducted. It was mom, myself, and son, my son Jonathan. Um, he was asked how how do you feel about the police? You know, and my son responded, "I still like the police." I mean, that's an that's an extraordinary level of maturity. Like some kids might react, and you know, especially with all the negativity in the media right now and all the the different unfortunate incidents occurring with the George Floyds and and all these things going on this year. And I believe that that was prior to the George Floyd incident, Mm -hmm. but there were other things going on um, that they see in society. But that was his response. And again, that was not coached. We didn't know how he was going to answer. We didn't even know they were going to ask that question. He could have said, I don't like the police anymore. I don't trust them. My son took the high road. Bigger than a lot of people. Yeah. Bigger than a lot of us, for sure. So, mm-hmm. I know you kind of said your son doesn't, um, it's not still affecting, but I actually, do you feel as if you and your family still was, still deal with some sort of PTSD from this situation? We do. Um, here's the thing. Like, we, our thing um, in my household is mm-hmm. we want it, we keep our kids off the street. Mm-hmm. Our kids don't go play outside. I mean, unless they're in the front yard and we watch them supervised, yes. we don't let them run around the, about the neighborhoods. We never have, though, even prior to this mm-hmm. incident, just due to everything going on with the world, with just people kidnapping kids. Um, yes. Off air, we talked about am- two Amber Alerts, me and the, the director here. Um, we talked about the Amber Alerts coming in with people snatching up children. Like, we're afraid. Mm-hmm. Like, we keep our kids indoors. And like I said, if they do go outside, it's in very close proximity. 
Um, so yeah, with this incident occurring, um, we have I've talked to my sons about it. My oldest boy, Donnie, who will be attending St. Ambrose here in the fall of 2021. Shout out wow. to my oldest son, <laughs> Donnie. It'll be another Donnie in the in the fold here at SAU. But I've talked to him about if you ever have any run-ins with the police, um, how to handle it. Yes. Um, do not talk back. Uh, be remain complicit. Answer their questions. You know, and listen to them. You know, no no aggression uh, in your voice with the with the policeman. That's that's going to give you the best opportunity to survive that yeah. situation. You just cannot talk back. And there are some instances where, unfortunately, people don't talk back and they still end up on the wrong side of of uh, you know some some something happening that's life changing, life altering, or maybe a life being lost. Um, but yeah, so I've talked to my sons. I've coached them. I've walked them through things because as a youth. Uh, my first run in with the cops, I don't know how many uh, minutes we have here. I don't know where we are. Am I good? Um, and this is a true story because this is a this is a story I told on social media during all of this in the comments that people did not believe me. They thought I was making it up. And I was like, wow, I didn't think it was really unbelievable. But this actually happened to me. But my mom purchased a 1997 Dodge Plymouth Neon. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. This is back in 97. She got me a new car. And um, my cousin wanted a ride to the record store to pick up, this is going to sound silly, but he wanted to pick up the new Wu-Tang album, <laughs> Wu-Tang Forever. This is back in 97. So he, call, he called me and said, cousin, you know, because he didn't have a license at the mm -hmm. time. He's younger. Yeah, I want to get the new Wu-Tang. Can you come take me? I'm just chilling at home. So I get up and I'm like, I'll take him to the local record store to get this album because they got it like three days early or mm -hmm. something. So anyways, so we drive through. It's not a great neighborhood. I'm doing nothing wrong. I got pulled over by the police. And I was just like, I don't, I don't know what I did. Police never told me what I did. Turns out he did ask me for my license. He never told me what I did prior to that. I left my license at home. I'm so sorry, officer. I left it at home. This policeman then proceeded to tell me he was very rude, but he told me to follow him to the police station, which I did. I drove and followed him to the police station in my car and he locked me up in a cell. And um, I was there for about 45 minutes before the police. Uh, chief of police saw my name and it turns out that he grew up with my parents and he said let that kid go i didn't even do anything wrong i did leave my license at home by accident i didn't think that was any justification to be locked behind a cell it's almost like i feel in some i hate to feel this way but i almost feel like cops some police i don't want to i don't want to demonize all police because i be, i do mm -hmm. believe in my heart the majority of police there are a few bad apples the majority of police are good mm -hmm. and they do serve and protect but for those bad ones some of them they want to send a message like this is your future this is going to be your future get used to it and that obviously me being a 44 year old man now this happened to me when i was i may have been 17 or 18 maybe 17 oh, wow. or 18 years old being thrown in a jail cell for 45 minutes and i'm just and i was calm and composed because i'm like hey i did nothing wrong here yeah. i move on from that story the second time was probably two years later year and a half later i was doing seven over the speed limit i got pulled over i had this bad luck with my license and, and stuff just so happens it was outdated by like 30 days or something like mm -hmm. that i had to get a renewal i was like oh uh, it may have been that or my insurance but either way uh, a sorry officer Again, for the second time, this is in a completely different area. This was Phoenix uh, Harvey. Mm -hmm. The first incident happened in Sunny, Sunnyville, um, Sunnyfield, Chicago Heights. It's a shame <laughs> that exactly I remember all this. You know, know where I'm talking? I know Chicago Heights. Yeah, yeah. Sunnyfield, <laughs> Chicago Heights. Not a good area. Um, so the second incident in Phoenix Harvey, the officers, again, asked me to follow them to the police station, which I did. I drove my car. <laughs> they didn't put me in a squad car. I followed them, and they put me in a, in a cell again, and they oh, even wow. took my shoestrings. 
And um, I'm like, why are you taking my shoestrings? They gave me that one call. I called my dad. I told my dad, dad, I'm at the police station. They picked me up. I was doing seven over. Uh, my license is expired by like 30 days. You know, I'll just spend the night here. Again, me being totally oblivious to the situation. Like, this is no big deal. You just spend a night. You go home the next morning, which they told me I would go home the next morning. My dad came and bailed me out like within like, uh, like 45 minutes or yes. 50 minutes or within the hour. It was like 200 bucks. So he came and got me out. But these are incidents that happen. And these are stories that I've told that people on that comment section of uh, the incident with my son, they thought I was lying and making it up or fabricating it. These are actual stories. I didn't think they were really a big deal, to be yeah. honest. They just these are things that happened to me. But that's a problem that I felt that way. And I will say just from my own experience and hearing mm -hmm. where you come from, uh, I come from Chicago. So mm -hmm. I have my own person. Um, problems and altercations I've had with the police and I've shared those stories and I've also had the same reaction like wow you've been through that yeah. and what's have become a norm for me is not the norm for everybody else and it should have not became the norm for me yeah. that is not the norm that shouldn't just be okay you getting thrown inside the police cell or whatever for 45 minutes just to make a statement even if it was to make a statement or not the statement was made yeah and you have forever have that memory you forever are forever telling that story and telling that experience i believe it worked this purpose for a reason yeah so um i'll ask you this and going to my next question mm -hmm. so do you believe this is a reoccurring situation for most people of color to have to deal with to the point where it just became a norm absolutely um again you know we talk, we've talked at the institution here about implicit bias mm -hmm. and it's just it's people have it it doesn't make you a bad person um, you have to acknowledge that, though, if you do have that implicit bias. You have to deal with it, acknowledge it, and I think that's how you kind of you overcome it. Yes. Um, but people do have those in, in, uh, in for whatever reason, and I think with cops, they deal with so many juveniles, and they, they might deal with the majority of juveniles here in Davenport. They might deal with the majority of people of color. I'm, maybe they do, maybe they don't. I don't know the statistics, but but they go through this day by day. I know they have a very difficult job, but not every young black youth is the same. My son is a good boy. He is a good boy. He's a church-going kid. Uh, he's a great kid, the most polite kid. I get complimented on him all the time. I've brought him here to Ambrose many times to work with me as kind of growing up through mm -hmm. the years and i always get complimented on his behavior um how do you keep him in line how, man you got your kids trained really good he's a good boy he's just a good <laughs> he's a good boy he's naturally. just a good kid yeah my all my boys are they're great kids um so yeah with, with that being said again um and i'm losing my train of thought here can you can you redirect me so i actually so <laughs> um just going back so um just believing if this is like a reoccurring situation ah, for people of color yeah yeah um and again, it, it should this should not be the norm, um, but this does happen on a daily basis because cops are out there in the field and they're dealing with juveniles and they're dealing with, you know, all kinds of criminals of all colors. And I, I get it. They're desensitized to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, man, if you're if you're called on a mistake you made, a mistaken identity, apologize. Hey, re restore some faith back into the, your community. Um, that goes a long way. You're like paying it for. What if my kid wants to be a policeman yes. as, when he grows up? You may have just ruined that for him. If, if that was his dream to be a policeman, you may have just ruined that for him because of how you treated him. Yes. Because obviously that's a profession. Um, so just they need to think about things like that, your, your interactions with folks. And if my kid was very polite to the cops, he didn't talk back. He was 100 percent complicit. Um, so, yeah, you know, g give this kid some credit. The, the chief of police told me about the interactions with the actual juveniles that committed the crime. And he told me how disrespectful they were, even though they were guilty. They were just 
blurting out profanities and obscenities to him and the other police officers. And my son was 100 percent opposite of that. Um, but you didn't show him any respect. And again, the chief did reach out to me in all fairness. Mm -hmm. And I did visit the station. And again, he showed me the, the webcam footage, the unedited footage. And we had a great conversation. But he was reactive in the matter. Mm -hmm. It was my my post went viral. I added Davenport Police Station or uh, Police Department, so they were put on notice. And and then he began to tell me a lot about what the officer in question um, was going through in her personal life. She was attacked by people. Now, I do not um, condone that whatsoever. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, when the chief of police told me about that, I felt really bad. And I removed her name from my commentary because I, as a human being, I felt bad. It was That was not my intention. Um, again, I was looking for accountability more than anything. Um, and so I did remove her name um, from my commentary because I, as a human, I just, I feel bad for this woman kind of, even though she hurt my son. Um, but but again, I don't want to be fair to yeah. all parties. The chief of police, Chief Sikorsky, was a, he was a gentleman. He was very polite. Um, we talked about a lot. He called me, <laughs> checked on me quite a few times and, and things, said if I needed anything and but ultimately, um, the end of the story is th like the, the officer in question never apologized. Yeah. She never that that was it. People ask me, did she ever apologize to you guys? No, she didn't. And my personal opinion, and this is my personal opinion, I believe that when it comes to police, they play a certain game. And I believe him telling her personal life and adding that emotional attachment to it to make you feel a certain type of way was all a part of the plan. Because like you said, them, you, your post going viral, put them on the spot to have to mm. respond. And so that's just one way when you said it, I kind of looked at it and kind of see how they cut it, have played the game and different things like that. So I'll ask you this next question because you kind of touched on it a little bit. And um, I want to talk about my situation. So I know when it comes to my parents and what they told me, when it comes to by the time a police get to my car when I got pulled over, my license is already in my hand. My insurance is already in it. Everything is already in sight. My hands are on top of the steering wheel, and they already got boom, boom. So there should be no reason I have to touch or go for anything. That's what my parents taught me. So I know you kind of spoke on it a little bit, too. So I ask you, what do you believe is the best way to educate your, your kids on how to handle situations like this? Because this is, this is parents' number one worst fear. This is my mom's number one worst fear. This is the, fear that she, this, the one thing she's always prepared me for here's the that's a very challenging question because you can prepare your kids but it's all about optics yes and perception and implicit bias so if you look a certain way if you wear your hair a certain way if you dress a certain way you will be treated accordingly um according to the cop's perception of you i my, in my personal life in my adult life mm -hmm. when it comes to police I've had no problems, but if you take a look at me, um, this is how I dress pretty much every day. I wear a, I wear a sun visor. People call me Tiger Woods. I look like a non-threatening African American male. I mean, I'm I'm I've come to terms with that. I've been teased. I've been called Carlton, you know, and times you know it's all jokes and it's yeah. funny. But this is so they they don't see me as a threat. So usually I don't have any issues. But if I have a gold teeth, or if I have dreadlocks, or if I look a certain way or dress a certain way. I don't think I would have that same story. I think yeah. I, I, that I might be viewed differently. I might be treated differently. And I know people like this. Um, 
I've known people to get their car searched and be pulled over and treated a certain way that I've never been treated, but they look different than I do. They dress different than I do. And that is not fair. So it's really hard to prepare your kids. My son, Jonathan, said he wants twists in his hair. He wants the, the it's like a kid look. I don't know. It's like a new <laughs> fad or whatever, but he wants these twisties in his hair. I told him, I don't want you to get those unfortunately because you might be viewed differently if you get those twists yes. in your hair i want you to keep your hair the way it is and would, that's and that's a shame i would say that's one thing i've always wanted like braids and different things like that my mom said no i've never yeah. i've never been able to grow my hair because she told me if i grow my hair i'm gonna look like everyone else out there because mm-hmm. i live in an actual city so i look like every other boy in the city and all you're gonna do is just get profiled just like them exactly you need to look presentable to them so you won't seem like a threat and you should have the freedom to express yourself. Maybe it's a phase you go through. I know some weird things that I wore, some some fashion <laughs> things that I went through growing up that if I go back, it's very embarrassing to look at. And the kids should be able to, to express themselves. But yes. as parents, um, you just have to be mindful of how your kids look and how they're presented because how they're perceived in society, could it could impact their life yes. and their progress. And whether it's professional, um, personal, or just socializing uh, when you walk in a store, if you look a certain way. Um, and, and I've encountered this, even even the way I look now. I mean, I've encountered being followed around in stores and different things. And I'm just like, why is this person <laughs> pretending to fold clothes when I go to like I've, I, this was in Macomb. I went to school at Western. Mm-hmm. There was this there was a store called Nelson's. You walk downstairs and like they would always come downstairs when I'm in there and they would like pretend to fold clothes. I'm like, and I would always buy stuff. <laughs> you there. could you, you notice that they're not really yeah. fold. You can notice that they watching. <laughs> but just, I, I, def- but, I definitely understand. Yeah. And these are things, you know, these aren't things that have hurt me. Really. The little things, things that I've noticed. But um, but I know what you're doing. Yeah. I know what's going on here. You know, I'm not yeah. stupid. So <laughs> uh, like it's the little things that make yeah. it a big thing. So I, but this leads me into my last question I have for you. So. If there is one thing you want people to remember from this conversation, what would it be? That's a that's a really good question. Um, just really, when you're raising your children, mm-hmm. to teach them how to interact with the police officers. If it's one thing I've learned from 2020 and prior to 2020, mm-hmm. um, learn teach your kids because a lot of these incidents that happen these social justice incidents and, and the Sandra Bland's, I remember Sandra Bland mm-hmm. and um, Philando Castillo. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm probably saying some of these names wrong because I'm off the cuff right now. Mm-hmm. But some of these incidents caught on camera. One thing that I do notice for some of these individuals, and it does not make them responsible, but the way you talk back to the cops and the way you talk to them, you almost have to swallow your pride and just comply. Yes. I mean, some people might say, hey, man, I'm not, you know, the cops did this or did that. I didn't do anything. Just comply. Position yourself and then approach it after the incident has passed. Then go to the police station and file a complaint or what have you. Survive the situation. Um, Put yourself in the best position to survive. But in the heat of the moment, when you are arguing back and forth with the cops, it's just not an ideal yes. thing to do. I would That's one thing I want people to walk away. All of you young folks out there, when you have these interactions with the police officers, if it's a routine traffic stop or if it's just something else, just comply. Um, don't say a lot. You know, answer questions and just try to get yourself beyond that. And if you want to pursue uh, anything you know, after that has occurred, then go ahead and do that. Take yeah. those take those steps, but just survive the situation, you know, when you're in it. 
Yes. That's that's what I would advise people to do. And that's what I would want people to take away from this. Honestly, just survive it because you only live one life. And when it's gone, it's, you know, yeah, just it's gone. I, I definitely agree. Um, just to it, be able to survive and tell um, your story the next day. Because yes. not a lot of people are able to tell their story the next day. Not a lot of people have that interaction and be mm-hmm. able to live and like I tell the story and um I can't I'm blanking now on the um guy's name but the guys in um who was shot by police in Gurney mm-hmm. Illinois who was luckily well not luckily he was paralyzed from his um waist down but he was lucky enough to survive and be able to tell his story because mm-hmm. not a lot of people are so we need more situations but then they're also going I'm, I completely understand what you're saying well swallowing your words because you getting off that last little worry because you want to it may not be it may not be worth it it may not be worth it it may it may feel good mm-hmm. but now you just got him riled up to the point where he just knocked your teeth off slammed you on the head of the car it's just you're making and i i hate to draw this because this is not i'm not trying to compare the situations mm-hmm. but it's like when you because the cops are not your parents yeah. but when you talk back to your parents you're not setting yourself up for any, you know, the outcome is probably not going to work out in your favor. And again, the cops are not your parents. Mm-hmm. They are law enforcement. However, they do have that badge and they do have mm-hmm. some authority in the community. Um, and they have a sense of pride as well. And when you talk to them any kind of way, um, their reaction may not always be in, in your best interest. Yes. And that's not right. Um, that's very wrong. But it's a reality. Yes. So, well... Once again, I'd like to thank you, Donnie, for joining the podcast today and having this discussion with me. It truly means a lot. And with these continuous conversations, we are taking the small steps to combat ignorance and hate with positivity and education. We are also beginning the development of conscious thinking through diversity and education that could one day help us understand the philosophy behind people's racial bias way of thinking. I would like to thank everyone who made this possible with a special thanks to St. Ambrose 88.5, 106.1 FM KALA radio station, the St. Ambrose Coke John Foundation, and St. Ambrose Cabinet and Administration. I would like to also give one more special shout out to St. Ambrose Black Student Union, whose meetings are held on Wednesdays at 715 via WebEx. Thank you for tuning in today. I hope you continue to stay safe and healthy during these quarantine times, and I shall see you next time. Have a blessed day.